right, welcome to Two Peas on a Pod. I'm Parker, and joining me as always, my brother, Peyton. What's up, Peyton? What's up, man? We're going to switch gears today. I'm excited. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into to a lot of college football. And we also have a special guest this week, and that is Big Money Bill from the Tricky Take Podcast. What's up, Billy? How you doing this week? What's up, guys? Glad to be here, man. Thanks. Thank you all for having me. Of course. Yeah, man, you're always welcome. Um, you and all the boys, uh, Austin and Connor as well. Shout out. Uh, go look at their podcast, Tricky Takes Podcast. You can find that on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right. Well, boys, we're going to get in uh, straight into it. I'm going to start us off with uh, some news that happened over this past week and kind of get your guys' take on a couple of them. So Trey Lance is now a Dallas Cowboy, and he has been traded for a fourth-round pick. Do you guys have any opinions? Billy, I will give you honors as our guest today. I appreciate it. Uh, So, yeah, Trey Lance – was a reach coming out of the draft. I mean, let's be honest. It is what it is. He was a reach. And what the 49ers ended up giving up to make that move is coming back to haunt them because those draft picks ended up turning into some special players um, on some other teams. And for it not to work out and to end up like this with them getting a fourth-round pick in return, it's kind of, I guess, you know, best-case scenario at this point because – the value just really wasn't there for him. He showed no progression. Didn't really get the fairest of chances, I would say. But yeah, yeah. See if he can make anything happen in Dallas now. Is he second or third string behind deck? Third. He's third, third. string. Still third, old Cooper. I said that the day he got traded. I was like, yeah, he got traded, but he's still a third string quarterback. Cooper Rush, um, I think, would have to do something wrong before they would make any sort of changes. Yeah. And I know that the discourse has gone, you know, all over the place at this point. Everybody kind of has come to the consensus that this is one of the worst draft trades or even trades in general in the NFL in a very long time, considering how much value the 49ers gave up. It's amazing when you think about how good this team still is and what they could have done with the draft capital that they gave up. Um, I believe that there was a TikTok floating around where it showed the players that went with that 12th overall pick that they traded in order to get to number three. And I believe it was Mike Parsons. It included uh, Devontae Smith as well. There was a third player, I forget who it was, but the point is that they could have added any array of those guys that are, were in in the top 10 or even top 12 in that 2021 draft. If you plug in a guy like Micah Parsons onto that 49ers defense, as opposed to having Trey Lance, I, I don't know what you do with that defense. I don't know how you stop them. So it's, it's tough to see how much better that team could be than it is right now, because it seems like they could have used those extra pieces to make up for the shortcomings that they've had uh, with injuries or with quarterback play over the past couple of years that haven't been able to push them to a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think Pat Sertain and Micah Parsons are those two big defensive players that ended up also going, you know, top 15 picks that they, could have, you know, made something happen with there and made that defense even better. And then you got guys like Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, uh, Devontae Smith, as you mentioned, Justin Fields yeah. down there at 11. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's up there with like the Ricky Williams trade, maybe even like the Mitch Trubisky t- trade, which is funny because the 49ers were on the other side of that one. So, uh, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. And I, I hope that Trey gets a fair chance at a starting job at some point, but. 
unless a team is really willing to build around his skill set, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. All right. Well, that is the Trey Lance take. I, I have a couple things that are, you know, I want to look at both sides of the trade. I kind of agree with both you guys coming from the 49ers. You know, I don't, we've seen this happen in the NFL where these guys, you know, they get picked really high and then they get traded, you know, years down the road. But this is the first time I've seen a team kind of just lose out on that much value in such a short amount of time, considering it was just 2021 where he had just gotten drafted. So that's kind of crazy, but good for the Cowboys though. I mean, it's, it's really not a losing situation at all for them. Uh, you know, let's say Dak has another shaky year, can't get the Cowboys far enough into the playoffs. Um, and they want to go a different direction away from that. I don't know if Cooper Rush is the next face of the Cowboys. I see it being more Trey Lance, but I do see Trey Lance in third string, in the third string position going into this year. That's what I have to say about Trey Lance. That was probably the biggest one. I'm going to touch on uh, Josh Jacobs is on a one-year deal, kind of taking the Saquon route and has now ended his holdout. So yep. his deal is, I believe, worth up to 12 million, including incentives. So it's very similar to how the Saquon deal is built. And just like the Saquon deal, the thing that's funny about these two one-year deals is that if they really wanted to, both teams could just franchise them again next year and go through <laughs> this all over again. That would cause a ruckus uh, am among the running back community after what we just saw. You know, it wasn't a whole lot, but the running backs definitely want to be heard uh, this year. So I think if that happens again, it could get a little shaky. Bill, as a fantasy guy, do you think that Josh Jacobs' ADP in the middle of the second round is validated at this point? I, I think it's somewhat stabilized. I think it's, you know, it's slid a little bit from, you know, kind of that upper end of the second round, maybe towards the lower end, toward, closer to the turn. But I still think he's, he's very well worth a, a mid-second round pick. Yep, Josh Jacob being back this year. I'm I'm decently, you know, a fan of him in fantasy. I think he's gonna try to get all his incentives and get all his money. So I don't I don't mind where he's going uh right now. I think he could actually go a little higher than he is. But uh let's look into college football week zero, the first few games that have just happened. Do you guys have any takeaways? Yeah, so one of the big questions for me, and I'll talk about this a little later. Uh Sam Hartman coming over to Notre Dame from Wake Forest and the offense that he was in there at Wake Forest was a very unique offense, the kind of slow mesh into yeah. almost an RPO-like style offense. Coming over to Marcus Marcus Freeman and giving the reins to the Notre Dame offense, well, he just came out there and dismantled Navy. Not that Navy is a world beater on defense, but, you know, 250 yards and four touchdowns. I think he only had four incomplete passes. He looked really good to start the year. They've got some interesting games throughout their schedule that's – uh He's going, to, he's going to have to be big in those games. So good start for him. Definitely. And I don't even think that he played the whole game. I'm pretty sure they sat him in the early fourth, right? Yeah, yeah. He came out a little early. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was very impressive. I mean, he looked – I would say that he almost looked better than he did at Wake Forest at times. I mean, he was already a great quarterback at Wake Forest before his uh, – I believe it was a heart condition, right, that he suffered? That yeah, put him out was. for a little bit? blood clots yeah yeah so i mean scary stuff but i mean he came back and looked like his old self 100 percent. another guy that also looked like himself this past weekend was caleb williams from usc uh reigning heisman winner had a pretty good game granted they did play san jose state so not super formidable competition but he definitely showed the pizzazz as the best quarterback in the country that he did last year 
all over social media. If you were even alive, you probably saw the 70 plus yard touchdown bomb that he threw on the bobbled snap. And that's, that's what Caleb Williams is this year. And we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but another thing about that game was uh, USC defense is still the USC defense. And uh, we're going to talk about USC in a little bit. I don't want to ruin what we're going to talk about, but that, that was another main takeaway I had. Other than that, I didn't have much. Did you have anything else, Billy? Uh, no, I think what I, else I was going to get into on that game, you're probably going to touch on a little later. But, yeah, that, that USC defense, uh, you know, still has some questions around it. All right. Well, that is going to conclude all the news from this week. Um, there might be a point in this podcast, just like the last two, where we just get a random piece of news out of nowhere. So we'll see. But um, we are going to do something that is not – usual for the two peas on a pod podcast and we are going to almost like play a game but it's not really going to be a game it's more of a uh more of just like a twist on things so i am not the biggest college football guy as a lot of people know um so we have brought billy to come almost take my place in this college football conversation yet i am going to be the host and i'm going to be a big part of this podcast as i'd like to introduce to you something called park tank And what Park Tank is, is we are going to take turns between Billy and Peyton, and they are going to almost give me a pitch on teams that they want me to look out for this year in college football, and they might even have a couple teams they want me to stay away from, and I am going to give my final verdict on if I am in on their teams or out on their teams. All right, well, let's get right to it. I got Billy coming into the Park Tank first. All right, what's up, P? What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> doing good, man. So first team that I want to bring to your attention is a team that I grew up very much disliking, and that is the Penn State Nittany Lions. Shout out Jay Stu. So historically, they've been the third wheel in the Big Ten, right? James Franklin, the head coach there, came over from Vandy. He's been very underappreciated uh, since he's been there. But the reason to be excited about Penn State is Drew Aller, the quarterback they have. He's a five-star, true sophomore. He played in most of the games last year, but he's replacing Sean Clifford, uh, who's now with the Packers. Drew Aller, his comp out of high school was Josh Allen. The dude's 6'5", 240. He was the number one quarterback in his class out of Ohio, and he can sling the football, dude. He's going to be throwing it all around the yard this summer or this fall, and his receivers are solid as well. They lost some guys, but they did replace that in the transfer portal. Dante Cephas over from Kent State. He's going to be a big target for them. Nick Singleton, their running back, possibly the best in the country. Just wait and see. The O-line, they got NFL guys all over it. The defense, they did lose two big pieces last year, one being Joey Porter Jr., but the two sack leaders are back, and their linebackers all have significant playing time. So Penn State is going to be a team to watch this, this season. The three big games at Ohio State, Michigan at home, Michigan State on the road. They don't really have a true test until they go to the horseshoe October 21st at Ohio State but they can make some noise in the Big Ten and find themselves in the college football playoff. So how many wins are we talking here, Bill? I mean, do you, uh, how, what, what level of team is this? What, what are we thinking? Just ended it with it, man. It's a playoff team. This is okay, a team so that can go out and win the Big Ten. I'm saying a, I like at least it. Sounds, 11 wins. I like it. Sounds like a fun offense. Sounds like, you know, like if you're saying this guy is a Josh Allen remake, if you're saying, you know, their running back is this good, uh, they have some sack leaders. I could say I'm in on this team. That could be really fun to watch. It's it sounds very exciting. Yeah, the Happy yeah. Valley Whiteout, man. Look out! <laughs> All right. 
I'm in on Penn State too. I like them this year. I, I definitely think they're an interesting team, especially in the playoff conversation. They're plus 300 to make the playoff, which they don't even have to win the Big Ten to get in, really. We've seen two teams get in in the past. And so uh, I also really like Katron Allen, the backup to Nick Singleton. Right. I think that they could use both of them. And then on defense, they have two NFL guys, Parker, that I think you would love. Chop Robinson is just a monster off the edge. And then they have another corner opposite of Joey Porter last year, Kalen King, who's also really good. I think you I think you might like this team. Okay. I, I, I'm in on it. I mean, I'm being a Dallas Cowboys fan. I mean, Michael Parsons, I mean, he comes from the same place. So they got some dogs, dogs like him. I'm I'm down to watch. All right, Parker. Billy got your juices flowing. <laughs> and this might be a little gross, but I want I, just stay with me, all right? I'm gonna start us off with a bang. What if I told you that you could watch a man fight for his college football life in real time? A man who is practically being put in the college football version of a Saw film trap. And I present to you the biggest subplot of the season. Iowa Hawkeyes and their offensive coordinator, Brian Ferentz. Okay, that might not seem exciting. All right. But in order for Brian Ferentz to keep his job, and mind you, Brian Ferentz is the son of the head coach, Kirk Ferentz. Brian Ferentz's offense, actually the whole team, has to average 25 points per game and win at least seven games or else he's fired. I want to give you some of their stats to tell you how bad their offense was last year. All right. This is not me trying to tell you to watch the games. I just want you to follow the storyline. So last year, Iowa averaged 18.6 points per game, which was out of 131 FBS schools. That was 117th in the nation. That's bad, right? Awful. Okay. That's not exciting. <laughs> let me let me let me give you some more background. That's including their bowl game. If you exclude their bowl game, it goes down to 17.4 points per game. And the defense had four of those touchdowns during the regular season, meaning that their offense scored 15.4 points per game in the regular season in 12 games. Now, tell me that you're not going to sit there and watch the offensive coordinator sweating bullets with his dad being the head coach trying to scramble for ideas to try and score points on offense. Well, Peyton, it, it doesn't sound like a product I'm really wanting to buy into um, at the moment. <laughs> I'm in eight fantasy football leagues. I love the NFL. I'm not that big of a college guy. I'm super pumped about these uh, Nittany Lions. We speak of uh, Penn State. But uh, these are Iowa Buckeyes. I just, I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I have enough room in my life to to invest into a drama. I will uh, not be watching the Iowa Buckeyes yeah. this season either. I, I, the Hawkeyes just do not sound like something I'd be super interested in. Only because I have so much football on my plate already this year, and I have other obligations that I really would much rather watch than the Iowa Hawkeyes. So I am out. I can understand. I'll come back stronger. And Billy, I don't know about you, but just to talk about their team a little bit, like, does the the Michigan transfer of Cade McNamara interest you at all? So yes, it definitely does interest me. I haven't done a ton of research into Iowa this season. I'll tell you that. So what is their what does their quarterback competition look like? It, it's Cade, and that's it's Cade. It. It's just Cade. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you know he can air it out for the for the. For the OC, save him his job, you know? <laughs> yeah. I will say another another thing that's interesting about him, they are tight end you, and they have a, they just had Sam Laporta go in the draft, and Luke Lachey, who 
fun fact is Nick Lachey's like nephew or something. They are related, which are you guys even old enough to know who Nick Lachey is? I have no idea who that is. Oh my God. Y'all make me feel <laughs> old. Uh, anyways, he's probably going to be a, I'd say a day two pick at tight end, similar to Sam Laporta. He's pretty good. And then they also have a white corner who's really good. So, yes. you know, yeah. Cooper DeJane. He is, he is the truth, man. He might be, he might break the, uh, break the NFL here in the yeah. next hold year. On. So. Hold on. There's a guy putting on for the team. Oh yeah. <laughs> he plays for, he oh, plays yeah. for Iowa. It, don't call it the team. That's not a great way to say that. There is not a single white corner in the NFL. That would just be so awesome. I mean, not, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, you know, they actually had two of them. One of them got drafted by the Broncos this past year. So didn't, you know, we might didn't see the, uh, didn't the wait, who's have he? a white corner. Didn't the commanders previously have a white corner out of Penn state? They did. I can't remember what his name was though. I know yeah. who you're talking about. Hold on. Guy, hold on. But this, <laughs> this, this white corner, this white corner plays for Iowa. Uh, Cooper DeGene, yes. And then last year they had Riley Moss, who was taken in the third round he, by the Broncos. He's going to be playing he, this year? Yes. I'm in. I'm he's in like, <laughs> on the Iowa Hawkeyes. I have changed my mind. I am in. I want to see that dude ball. He's like in the top five corner prospect rankings for the 2024 draft. So he's like legit. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm in. I'm in. I want to I wanna see this. Last year, he's, he's good. He's going to be Jim Thorpe this year. And, Parker, I, one more thing I want to uh, – as a selling point, if you're in now – one thing I want you because Brian Ferentz has to score 25 points per game. The thing is, in some of the games where they're playing like crap teams, I know you're a betting man. You might want to look and see if you can take some second half overs for Iowa because he's going to try and run the score so he doesn't have to worry about scoring points against the hard teams. Um, no, you know that Peyton, there, there was nothing else to be said. You said white corner projected to be drafted could come in. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I, All right. The, the offense, I'll probably won't even watch the offense. I'll probably literally just pan to that team on defense just to see that guy ball. That's All it. Right. I, I'm good. in. Okay. I'm in in that in that circumstances. Fist pump, baby. Hey, if if Cade McNamara balls out this year, his nil deal better include like 10 percent of Ferentz's contract this year. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well. um, I am now welcoming Billy back into the park tank. Billy, what do you got for me? All right, so I'm going to parlay Penn State into their big brother, Ohio State. So the big story around Ohio State this season is going to be the quarterback play. Just a list of some of the quarterbacks they've put out the past few years. C.J. Stroud, obviously. Justin Fields, Troy Smith, J.T. Barrett, Braxton Miller, Cardale Jones, Terrell Pryor, Dwayne Haskins, R.I.P., but they have had a strong list of quarterbacks coming out of Ohio State the past few years. I'm not saying it's all translated to NFL success, but the quarterback battle this year will be down to Devin Brown and Kyle McCord. And Kyle McCord looks like he's going to win the job, but he is not the athletic scramble around quarterback that Ohio State has typically had. So they're going to have to figure it out with him, Kyle McCord. But they've got all the weapons offensively. Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to be better than his dad. I said it. Um Emeka Ibuka is a beast. He's probably wide receiver three in the country right now. So they have a lot going for them offensively, plus a solid one-two punch at running back. They're going to be the Ohio State that's scoring a ton of points like we always see, and they're going to be in big games. They got they got to go to Notre Dame, to Michigan, and to Wisconsin. That's a tough schedule, especially for a Big Ten team. So they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot and a chance to win the Big Ten. And they're going to put everything they got into not losing to Michigan again this year. Because if they do and miss the playoffs, Ryan Day, dare I say it, might be on the hot seat because nobody loses to Michigan three times in a row when you're the Ohio State head coach. 
Interesting. I'm going to shout out uh, my buddy Ty Welch. If he's listening here, he'll probably be listening this week. I'll make sure to highlight, let him know. We, we talk some Ohio State football. But, um, yeah, man, I hear about Ohio State all the time. I'm in. Uh, Ty, I just mentioned, he actually works with me. And he he keeps bringing up this Marvin Harrison Jr. He keeps bringing up all these guys that, that they have on offense. He's like, dude, our offense is so exciting. I'm so pumped for it. And despite them having a mobile quarterback, because I asked him about that. I was like, man, are you excited to watch some Ohio State football? He's like, man, it's going to be a little different than normal, but I still think we're going to have a really good team. So I, I, I'm in on Ohio State. Parker, if you have not, have you watched Marvin Harrison Jr. at all? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I saw him. I saw him last year. Yeah, I mean, I, okay, I, okay, all right. But but this is like you know another thing about receivers that are fun is that you know usually they get better uh, towards the end of their college career. You know, you very rarely see a player pop off their junior year and not do anything their senior year or sophomore year to junior year. So yeah. I'm definitely going to take a look. I mean, the guy's making noise for sure. Yeah. And as an NFL guy, as admittedly you are, he might be the first wide receiver to go in the top two picks since Calvin Johnson. Like that's how good he is. Just want to put that in perspective. All right. If Caleb, well, if Caleb Williams isn't in this draft, he's, oh, he's one, one. He might be the first overall pick if that's the case. Then I'm I'm definitely gonna uh, take a look at that throughout this season. Um, I'm sure I'll see a bunch of highlights on Instagram and TikTok and everything else of this guy. So, all right. Well, I'm in on Ohio State. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things, and now it's time to go back to Peyton and hear the redemption story from the Iowa Hawkeyes, who I eventually who I eventually turned for. <laughs> I I'm gonna give you something a little <laughs> bit more exciting this time. That was more of a bit. I just found it funny. This is actually legit and interesting team to me, and it is what I believe could be the biggest threat in the SEC to both Georgia and Alabama and their chances at winning the SEC title. <laughs> it is not the Florida Gators, despite the Gator chomp from Billy here. It is the LSU Tigers. And Go Tigers. I want to talk about Jaden Daniels first and foremost. Jaden Daniels, he might not be a first-round quarterback in the NFL draft, but he is what I would call the epitome of a great college quarterback. He is probably going to be good enough to be a Heisman finalist. Not only that, but he is very balanced on both the ground and through the air. And he really improved as the season went on last year. Not only that, but he has help from one of the best wide receivers in the country, Malik Neighbors, who everybody thought that Kayshawn Boutte was going to be the best wide receiver from LSU last year. Turns out he's garbage. It's Malik Neighbors, number one with a bullet. And he also has Mason Taylor, who broke out a little bit last season, who, fun fact for you, NFL guy, that's Jason Taylor's son. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Jason Taylor, Miami Dolphins. Okay, cool. The great, 99. Yeah, come on, man. NFL guy, remember? So offense is going to be pretty fun. I don't know about their offensive line depth. It's usually okay. But Jaden Daniels is going to be running around a good amount, and he's going to be slinging it to both those guys, who are probably NFL talent. Malik Neighbors is going to be – likely a late first rounder in the, in the NFL draft, if I had to guess. And Mason Taylor might sneak into where he's flirting with going in the NFL. So high quality pass catchers. Uh, I don't know much about their running backs. I, don't, I mean, I know that I forget what his name is. Nick Kane, right? Isn't he their running back, Billy? Yeah, from Penn State. Yeah, so like, you know, kind of a retread. He's not that great. But the passing offense and Jaden Daniels is going to be really fun. The front seven for LSU might be one of the best five in the country, if you ask me. And if not only for two guys. Mason Smith, who unfortunately we found out is going to be suspended for their opener against FSU. But more importantly, we got Harold Perkins, good old Harry Perky, 
he is going to be one of the best, if not the best defensive player in college football. Very similar to how we've treated Will Anderson over the past couple of years. And if you pick any reason to watch LSU, I would argue it's just to watch him play on defense. Well, LSU, LSU always seems like one of those teams, you know, me not being a big college football guy. I always find myself watching an LSU football game on a Saturday afternoon. They're just one of the more exciting teams to watch uh, in overall college football, especially recently uh, with the Joe Burrow years. And even going back further than that, they've always been fun to watch. Um, so I'm I'm in on watching the LSU Tigers. Uh, they'll be on TV a lot as well. Um, it sounds like they're exciting. They always have really good talent. Uh, they recruit well from what it looks like. So, um, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, they have a couple of the key matchups that I think that you should tune into. More, Most importantly, is possibly the best opening matchup we've had in a number of years this upcoming week on Sunday. Sunday night, primetime, FSU and LSU are playing here in my hometown. I guess hometown now, Orlando. They're playing at Camping World. I believe our, you know, whatever you want to call him, cousin's boyfriend, Peyton Calhoun, is going with his family. So that's awesome. Uh, but that is, in my opinion, going to be one of the best games all year. And if you don't watch LSU at all, any other time this year, watch that game, please. And the game oh. last year was amazing too. Yeah, in, in New Orleans. But there's one guy. There's one guy on LSU that you didn't mention that I do want to mention. He might not be starter week one. He might not line up there with the starters. But Aaron Anderson. He's a transfer from Alabama. He he's originally from Louisiana. Number two player in in the state in his class. Went to Alabama. Left. Now he's at LSU. The dude's a problem. He's only 5'8", 190, but the dude is a problem. He's fast. He's explosive. He's just that dude out there, wide receiver. Where's number one? Look out for him. Yeah, I actually uh, – me and me and my roommate, old Tricky Chase, shout out to Chase, uh, we actually watched that rerun um, of last year's LSU-Florida State game. Uh, I think it was two mornings ago. And I saw the guy, Neighbors. Uh, he actually – in his name? Isn't that what his the name League is? Neighbors, yeah. Yeah, neighbors. So he actually dropped a punt like late in that game. We we watched the fourth quarter drama. But after he did that, I also saw that that same guy, I think he had four catches on the drive on the way back down after Florida State dropped the pitch and fumbled on the one. Yeah, uh, I think he had like four really important catches to get him down that stretch. So he looked like he was a baller. Every player makes mistakes, especially that, that young and that big of a stage. So uh, I'm in on LSU. And I'm excited. I know that matchup week one is going to be really, really something to watch out for, especially after last year's matchup being so close. All right. Well, let's go back to uh, Billy. Billy, what you got for me? Yeah. So the third team I want to hit you with, Parker, is a team that is going to be changing conferences next year. Their conference is, is gone, basically. You don't see a lot of them on TV just because they're out west, but that's the Oregon Ducks. Uh, the story here is Bo Nix. So after, you know, being basically written off by – Auburn and, and all of the SEC, he goes out there to Oregon. They get blown out week one by UGA. I mean, just absolutely dismantled. But they came back and had a top 10 total offense. Uh, it's on brand for Oregon, the offense they run, high-powered. I would say the main concern is the O-line. But they through the transfer portal, they've basically replaced all the needs that they had. Uh, Bo Nix went from a 59.5% completion passer to a 72% completion guy and 3,500 yards, and, you know, I think he had 25 touchdowns and then another 14 on the ground. I mean, the dude really put it together last year, and now there's late round one hype around him for the NFL. Uh, he's going to be, you know, on the, every Heisman preseason watch list, basically, you can find. The receiving core is electric, led by Troy Franklin, who's an NFL guy. Tez Johnson, who's a transfer from Troy, watched a lot of him, obviously. Shout out to the Trojans. Uh, fun fact, actually, Bo Nix's brother. 
And then Treshawn Holden is a transfer from Bama. Uh, he never really was able to put it together at Bama, but they've always had a lot of depth there, wide receiver. Um, and he's a he's a bigger guy. And then Bucky Irving, one of the better names in college football, running back. Uh, I believe he's a transfer from Minnesota. But last year, he averaged almost seven yards of carry, had over 1,000 yards on, I think, less than like 180 touches. The dude was hitting home run after home run. The defense scares me a little bit, but that's Pac-12 football. So schedule games to watch at Washington, at Utah. And then week one, they go to Texas Tech, which could be a sneaky game for Oregon. Obviously, you know, they're out west. You're not going to see them a lot on TV. But when they are on, I suggest you you tune in. All right. Yeah, you're right, man. Oregon uh, over here on the, the East Coast. I guess you guys are on the East Coast. But we're right on the cusp on Central Time. It, it it seems like they're always on TV at like – it's like 11 o'clock at night and the third quarter starting. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> like, they're, yeah, they're one of those playing, teams you know. They're playing Washington State and it's like <laughs> 24 to 10. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. And you're like, I don't even know if I want to stay up and watch this. Yeah. But uh, no, Bo Nix, I remember whenever he was at Auburn. And yeah, I, I he kind of disappeared for me out of my, uh, until like halfway through last season, I looked up and I was like, oh, what, Bo Nix plays for Oregon? I thought that was crazy, but I, that's something I'd, I'd be interested in watching for sure. Plus they have sick uniforms. Yeah, dude, every game, it's something different. I always like seeing their uniforms as well. And another thing, dude, their basketball court is is crazy too. I, I love their basketball court. Yeah, mixed mixed opinions on that. It's pretty cool. It's unique. <laughs> it's very unique. That's what it is. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'd love it, but it's very unique. Anyways, we're getting off topic. I'm. Uh, I'm in on the Oregon Ducks. Sounds like it's going to be a cool season to watch. Do you have anything you want to add on the Oregon Peyton before I just transfer into the next one? I don't. He pretty much covered everything. The only other thing I'd like to note is that the defense, like you said, is an unknown. There's seven out of their twelve or eleven starters, I should say, are transfers. So we have no idea how this defense is going to mesh together. It could turn out great as we've seen sometimes transfer portal overhauls work excellently like they did in Michigan state, but they can go really badly too. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that side of the ball comes together. Yeah. And then real quick on Oregon's defense, they had some really good recruiting classes defensively and it just never really like came together fully. Like those guys never really made the impact they were supposed to. So maybe, you know, this like changing of the guard on their defense is kind of what they needed all right, well, going into the next team, Peyton, you're back in the park tank. What you got? All right, we're going to stay on the West Coast. And I want to ask you, when you think Pac-12 contender, you might think USC. You might think Oregon. You might even think back-to-back Pac-12 champions Utah. However, I'm here to present to you a team that deserves to be in that conversation. The Washington Huskies. Kalen DeBoer has showed his ability to bring this program back to life after it was torn down completely by Jimmy Lake. And he has one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country, and his name is Michael Penix Jr. Now, I'm going to try and reel you in just a little bit because I know you have some bias towards your Cowboys. If there is a quarterback who I think exemplifies the way that Dak Prescott plays football, I think it's Michael Penix because – as you would say, and that's supposed just, to be fun to watch. He just slings the rock, as you say. <laughs> he doesn't turn the ball over as much, but he does <laughs> a little bit. But it was just a joke. He is so fun to watch. He that offense. He was able to lead them to being the seventh highest scoring offense in the country, and he has not one, but I would argue two guys who could be first round wide receivers whenever it comes time for next year. And that's Roma. I almost said his name wrong. Romo Dunze, who is like ultimate sleeper 
wide receiver for a lot of people where it's like nobody watches West Coast football. And, and, and if you do, you know about this guy. Also, Jalen Millen. So he has two guys who he's able to rely on. And not only that, but they, they played all year last year and they showed that they have a ton of chemistry between the three of them. The other thing that I like about them is that on the defensive side of the ball, they have what I would argue is a top five defensive end in Braylon Trice, who is just nasty. And he is anchoring the defense that was in the top half of the college football season last year. And if they're able to even maintain that top half rating or even improve a little bit, the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said in that famous press conference with Washington. I, I really think that they could be a sleeper to win this conference and have the first Pac-12 playoff appearance since 2016. I, I've seen Washington these last few years. If I'm not mistaken, they've been floating – um, they've been floating around that. Like, I think they made the top four. Uh, weren't they in the playoff like th- two or three years ago? Uh, they were in the playoff. That was not two, three years ago. That was like what? Six or seven. It was like 2015. Jake yeah. Brown, Jake Browning, maybe. Yeah. I'm getting old man time flies. Um, <laughs> no, but, I, but I've seen them floating around. Like they, they've been in like anywhere between 15 and eight a couple of times in the past few years. Am I wrong? Uh, you're, no, you're not wrong. They've been a pretty steady, uh, a pretty steady program. Uh, last year, they finished, I believe, in the top ten or close to the top ten. Uh, they finished, I believe, it was eleven and two, and they finished the end of the year with a seven-game win streak, including a pretty like fun. I don't know if you remember watching this game, Parker, but they played in the bowl game against Texas. It was like one of the better bowl games last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We so. watched it um, at Old Roy's house. Yes. Was yeah, it the did. Was it the Alamo Bowl? Yes, it was. That's yeah. always a good game. I love yeah. the Alamo Bowl is one of my favorite bowl games of the year. Yeah, I, I me and Parker, I think went to it. Uh, while, like way long ago, we were in middle school. It was uh, Texas and uh, Oregon. It was fun. Or, no, it was Tech. It was Texas and Oregon State. And, oh no, uh, that's right. That's right. It was the, the right. coolest takeaway I have of that game, man. I'm I get up from my seat. I'm going down to get some food. These stories always happen. There's a couple of these stories in our family uh, that I've heard at least. Um, no, I go down to get a hot dog. I'm coming back up through the tunnel and Marquise Goodwin is like streaming down the sideline. He's probably at the 30 yard line by now. Um, I got up. Texas was about to punt. I watched the replay. Dude, if you haven't seen it, go look it up. Marquise Goodwin takes like a 70 yard reverse play to the house. Like most exciting, most electric play of the whole game I missed. Um but yeah, Alamo Bowl, good time. Hate to diverge away from that. But. Was that when Jaquiz Rogers was at Oregon State too? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, it, I'm pretty sure it was. They were, they were. It was a good, it was a good football game. I remember having a great time. Alamo Bowl, definitely one I'll take time to watch. Yeah, but it, um, I, overall, I'm in on, I'm in on Washington though. Overall, okay. if I have enough time at 11:30 at night to switch between them and Oregon, I'm in. Yeah, and you're going to be up late. I know you. Like You're (laughs) going to get off of work, and you're going to go home and turn on the TV, and Pac-12 football is going to be on, and it's probably going to be one of these two schools. (laughs) Probably right. With that being said about Washington, we are now going to move on, and um, I'm putting Billy back on. So, Billy, what you got? All right, so I couldn't go through a college football list preseason without talking about my Florida Gators, man. Billy Napier in year two. We're kicking off this season at Utah, which is going to be a tough one this Thursday. But the one thing I want to hit on is the running game for Florida. Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne are two of the better running backs in college football. I'm not going to put a, a ranking on them, but 
You know, they had 800 and 700 yards last year with a running quarterback. I think there's a legit chance that Florida, if they do it right this year, they can have 2,000-yard rushers, which is something really hard to do. But the key to them winning this season is going to be pounding the ball on the ground. Last year, when they ran for over 200 yards, they were 6-1. and one. When they had to throw for 200 yards, I believe they were one in the rest. So it, it was <laughs> not pretty when we had to air it out. But when we were able to run it on the ground, our only loss was to Florida State in Tallahassee. That was a close game, last game of the year. The bowl game, I throw that out. We had like half of our roster missing. Our key is going to be keeping Graham Mertz under 20 passing attempts a game. Uh, and then the big thing is defense. We gained a ton of depth through the uh, transfer portal and then our recruiting class. We had D. Lyman last year, Big Des Watson. I don't know if you've ever seen the video of him highs put hitting the Heisman pose on Spencer Rattler. He was playing like 70 snaps a game last year. He's 435 pounds. Now we have a solid five guys on the interior of the D-line that can rotate in and out. Our, our secondary depth should be better. We have experienced linebackers. So I'm excited for this season. I think it could be a really big year, too, for Billy Napier. He did some really good things with Louisiana Lafayette after his first year. And we also have the youngest coordinator in college football, Austin Armstrong, our D coordinator. So just fun fact there. I think Florida goes eight and four this year. You heard it here first. We beat Tennessee. We beat Utah and we beat Florida state last game of the year in the swamp and crush their playoff hopes. Yeah, Billy, I don't know if that's what you do. Your first time on a, uh, another person's podcast is just straight up call out Florida over Florida state, but Hey, I, I, I'm going to hear all about that. Our social media is going to hear all about that. So uh, any publicity is good publicity, right, Billy? Oh, yeah. That's going to be a take people come back to it. I'll probably get it <laughs> for, but you know what? I got to lay it all out. Hey, line. you like you like what you like, man. You like what you like. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, us being in Florida, I'm obviously going to see a lot of F Florida games. The Gators are always on TV when I walk into a before Brady's. They're always on TV when I walk into work. They're always being talked about. They're always on the front page of the newspaper here in Panama City. So, and it's the same way with Florida State. So I'm I'm gonna watch some Florida football for sure. I'm excited about the running backs you mentioned though. That that gives me a little more of something to like dive into into Florida football because having two one thousand yard rushers, like you said, is not easy. So that'd be cool to see. Yeah. And in case you didn't figure it out yourself, uh Trevor really? Etienne is Travis Etienne's younger brother. So um No way. Shut up. There's a lot of ETNs out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I Billy, I just want to say one thing. It's never a good thing when you want to keep your quarterback under 20 attempts a game. <laughs> Just that's all I'll say. Hey man, I I saw the Navy going into the third quarter with zero pass passing yards the other day. So yeah, well they lost 42 to three. So yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm aware, but but it, I'm all I'm saying is it could be worse. Yeah, it could be yeah. way worse. It, it, I'm not saying that it's out of the realm of possibility, but like. To me, Billy, it's. I think it's either one or the other. You win eight games or you win four games. I don't uh, know yeah. if I see a whole lot of in between. <laughs> I'm on board with that too. Okay. But if I had to take the over under on the win total this year, five and a half, I'm taking the over. It's such a tricky number too, because when you look at their schedule, there's like three guaranteed wins, and then like yeah, you're struggling like to find the other Andy, ones. If we lost, yeah, you got you got year. at Utah, Tennessee at home, at Kentucky. At South Carolina, Georgia in Jacksonville, at LSU, 
Florida State at home. That's seven games that I think automatically, like, I don't know if you're winning. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I feel like – I know we lose to Georgia and LSU. Okay, that's gimmies this year. Okay, you, all right. Utah, Utah, we can win because of Cam Rising's injury and things like that. Uh, I, I, we'll talk about that. I want to know if he's playing. I think they're listing him on the death chart just to screw with Florida. They might <laughs> Oh man, we could talk about that whenever we're talking about the week one game. So, all right, while well, I'm in on the Florida Gators, it sounds like they have a really fun schedule too. Listening to you know Peyton just rattled off a few teams that uh, are already on my radar to kind of watch uh, this season for college football. Um, so I'm in, and we're gonna get over to old Pepe, the other P on the pod. What you got for me, Peyton? Well, Billy went with the Gators, so I feel like just by nature of that, I have to go with the Seminoles, right? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I just, I mean, you know, it's just natural, you know. Be careful what so, you say. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of those Seminoles out there that listen to the pod. So just, yeah, I know. they're doing the tomahawk chop now as we speak. I hate that. Yeah, I hate it. They're so in. Much. They're in their car on their way to work. Like yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Is the majority of y'all's listeners are they Florida State? Guys? I have no idea. I know there's at least three. <laughs> there's a decent amount. Yeah. yeah, there's a decent amount. So, uh, but I, I just want to start off by saying this: I, Mike Norvell has proven me wrong. I I followed Mike Norvell whenever he was at Memphis, and I'm a UCF fan, so we played them a number of times while he was their head coach. And I thought he was good, but I never thought that he would be capable of taking a Power Five program that n- desperately needed resurrecting and be able to bring them to being a top ten team in the country and be a serious playoff contender. Whenever he got to Florida State, it, it didn't seem like the boosters or anybody was really in on this guy. It seemed like they wanted to get rid of him even after they had already paid for buyouts of Jimbo Fisher and Willie Taggart. And I was on board with him, and he has impressed me with what he's been able to do with this program from a recruiting standpoint and from a transfer portal standpoint. Because he's been able to develop Jordan Travis, which I don't know if you watch him much, but he is... Pretty exciting to watch. He, he started off pretty rough as a thrower, but as a runner, he is super talented. I mean, like, I don't want to call him Justin Fields as a runner, but he has a little bit of that, like, twitchiness and fluidity to him, along with a pretty good amount of speed as a runner. He might, he, whenever you watch him, you might, he might surprise you to think that he could run as well as he does. But he's gotten so much better as a passer, especially at, towards the end of last year. And now he has... His wide receiver, Johnny Wilson, who's his number one wide receiver, I don't know if you saw any highlights of him last year, but he, I'm not calling him play style Calvin Johnson, but I want to say he is actually bigger than Calvin Johnson. He's like 6'7", almost like 240 or something crazy like that. He is huge. And then they also bring in Michigan State transfer Keon Coleman, who both of them honestly are probably going to be NFL guys, at least day two picks, both of them. And I think that they complement each other pretty well. And they on top of that have what I believe could be the best running singular running back in the country in Trey Benson. Like this guy is, he might be the first running back taken next year in the draft. I think again, I'm going to keep naming guys. You're going to be like, when are you going to stop naming NFL draft prospects? I'm not because they have again, what is, I would argue a top three defensive player in college football in Jared verse who last year, I don't know if you knew this, he was supposed to come out last year from the draft and he just decided to stay because he thought that this team could win a national championship this year. And he was projected to go in the top 10 last year. No, no problem. It was no question. He was going to go in the top 10 
And he decides to stay because he had belief in this team and their ability to contend for a national championship. Now, their road there, it's really not that tricky. I mean, they play LSU in the opener, as we talked about. And then other than that, they play at Clemson, which is by far the hardest game on their schedule outside of LSU in conference in the ACC. And then they only play like Syracuse at home, Duke at home, and then they have at Pitt, and then they close with you at UF. You know how I feel about the Gators. It's not the same as Billy. I can tell you that much. So I think this team, I'm not saying that they can that they are going to make the playoff, but if they make the playoff, do not be surprised. Yeah, Florida State is another one of those teams that's very locally, um, very locally amped up. But back to me watching Florida State's replay against LSU last year, there are three players that I saw that I know are going to be exciting to watch this year. Number one, Trey Benson. I don't know if he's related to Cedric Benson. But uh, that that man can run. I mean, I, I see him being an NFL running back after watching um, just a couple spurts of what I saw. I mean, I, I think he broke out for like a 60-yard run while I'm sitting there watching. Um, and I only watched like half of the third and like the rest of the fourth. But I also like that 6'7 wide receiver. Um, don't what, what was his name? I'm sorry. Johnny Wilson. Yeah, that, that man, I mean, he's just huge. And he's got hands. So that'll be fun to watch. And then their, their quarterback. Uh, they have probably the most exciting quarterback easily that they've had since Jameis Winston. And honestly, before Jameis Winston, I couldn't tell you an exciting quarterback that Florida State's had. So he's he's up there in, in quarterbacks in my lifetime that I've seen play at Florida State. I'm in. I think one of the big things that Mike Norvell has done at Florida State as well is he's kind of rebuilt that offensive line too because that was such a pain point for the end of the Jimbo Fisher, beginning of the Willie Taggart era, and the beginning of you know his you know stint at at Florida State as well. So he has just done absolute work in the transfer portal. I'm glad you brought up Keon Coleman as well because I think he's a dude that can, you know, really make some noise this year for Michigan State and, uh, yeah, be a be a early round draft pick. Also, Fentrell Cypress, Peyton, do you know about him? Yeah, I didn't mention him, but I, yeah. I just wanted to highlight the big name guys. I didn't know that Parker would necessarily care too much about him, but <laughs> I, I, I like Cypress. Yeah, he's solid too. Yeah, Florida State, they just have to beat Clemson. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to this year. You got you can even drop the first week game against LSU, but you have to beat Clemson. Yeah, it's one of the bigger like middle of the season bouts for sure. Like I want to say it's week, I forget what week it is. I think it's week five, but it's pretty early in the season. You don't have to wait all year to find out who's gonna be the front runner in the ACC. It comes down really to that game and that game only. All right. Well, me being in on Florida State, I am going back to the Florida Gator, uh, my buddy Bill. Billy, what you got? So I'm going to talk about another SEC team here, and it's uh, one that's got a lot of question marks around it for the first time in really a long time, and that's Alabama. Going into this season, the quarterback battle at Alabama has been one of the most like covered topics of the, of the season. You got Jalen Milrow, who's been there and sat behind Bryce Young, you got Ty Simpson, who is a five-star that came in last year. And you got Tyler Buckner, who's a transfer in from Notre Dame. And as of today, Nick Saban has still not named a starting quarterback for their week one game. And right now, it's looking like Jalen Milrow is going to be that guy. If you see him, it looks like he, he's built in a lab. He looks like a more buff version of Cam Newton. So it's going to be, you know, the fate of the Alabama football team is going to be whether the quarterback can effectively and efficiently run this offense they have good skill players. 
Uh, the running backs, I think Justice Haynes, the freshman, is going to end up being towards the end of the season, you know, freshman All-American probably, even though they got two really good guys in front of them. I think he's that good. Uh, the receivers, they got some veteran guys coming back. The schedule plays favorably for them. All home games, including LSU and Texas, the big road games are going to be at Auburn, at Texas A&M. But I think they can hit, they're way more talented than both those teams, I believe. If they can handle business at home and get to the SEC championship and take it on, you know, either, you know, likely a Georgia or a Tennessee for a shot to, to get to the college football playoff, you know, that LSU game is going to be the game to watch, though. It's going to be a massive game in Tuscaloosa, likely going to decide the SEC West. But Nick Saban has never had this many question marks coming into a season that he has right now. And then I want to talk about the defense, too. Will Anderson gone, but they have a guy named Dallas Turner who might be just as good as Will Anderson. Crazy as that sounds. The secondary is a little young, especially at safety. They're going to get tested. But Kool-Aid McKinstry, and they brought in a transfer from UL Lafayette to hold down their cornerbacks. So the defense, I think, is going to be young. But as the season goes on, I think they'll get a lot better. Caleb Downs, also another true freshman safety that's going to play a lot of snaps early. So Alabama, I think, is a very interesting team this year. If they can beat LSU, I think they're in the playoff. Just a quick question um, about this Alabama team. You said this quarterback is built a lab, uh, almost like Cam Newton. Is his play style the same as Cam Newton? Yes. Um, Kind of, yeah, but I'm trying to find his stats last year in the game he came in for. uh, He came in for Bryce Young against, I believe it was Arkansas. Yes, I think it was. Uh, last year when Bryce went down. So he only played about a half in that game. He only threw it nine times, four of nine, 65 yards, did throw a touchdown, and then on the ground he had six carries for 91 yards and another touchdown. And the next week against Texas A&M, 17 carries for 81 yards. So he's not as refined of a passer as we're going to be used to seeing out of these Alabama quarterbacks, but he's good enough. And I'm just he can make plays. I'm just thinking about the last three years. You know, Alabama's been really successful, and they've had Bryce Young, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones. So I'm thinking about you know them getting this different style of quarterback or this guy that's big and built and likes to run the football. That's kind of exciting to see something different come out of Alabama for sure, because you're not you're definitely not used to seeing that. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know that he's going to be the same type of player, but Jalen Miller gives me like early Jalen Hurts vibes at Bama where he's not necessarily an elite quarterback and he's for colleges like Alabama, he can be replacement level where if you have a better guy behind him, he's not going to hold on to the job with a firm grip. And the other thing I I know you said they have some good skill players personally, Billy, I'm not a huge fan of Jermaine Burton and Ja'Cory Brooks. I think they're like super overrated, especially Jermaine Burton. I've never liked him. Yeah, so I think their skill receivers are the receivers are definitely not, you know, the factory of receivers that we've seen Alabama put out recently. Yeah. But I think they're good enough to they can create separation when they need to and get themselves open. So I think, you know, they can be good enough to get open, but I do worry about them because yeah, Ja'Cory Brooks has not lived up to the billing so far, and neither has Jermaine Burton since he came over from Georgia. I gotta say, I'm in. I mean, I'm in, I'm watching Alabama football. I I hate hearing the roll tide. It's been so long since they haven't been good, but just for you, Connor, I will, I will watch some Alabama football this year. Yeah. Just the biggest thing about them is, you know, who are they going to be? Right. Yeah. 
You know, are they, I mean, they have a, to the standard? If they have a chance of falling on their face, I'm watching it. That's that's really the intrigue about them because they're not the same Bama this year that they have been in years past where they even, even though the odds might tell you otherwise they, they really aren't being portrayed or viewed as really a favorite to make the playoff as a whole because if you think about it there's only four spots this year this last year with the four team playoffs so of course in the future this won't be the case but like if Georgia wins the SEC and if one of the big 10 teams ends up winning and having, and let's say the loser only has the one loss to the big 10 champion. And then you have a team out on the West coast that has a one loss with a PAC 12 championship, or if even FSU ends up being a one loss champion in the ACC, it's going to be really hard to find room for Bama in that, in that playoff. If there isn't an SEC championship in their grasp at the end of the season. Yeah, it's just when's the last time you've seen Alabama like as viewed as underdogs or, or doubted coming into the season, you know? So right. that's the intrigue for me around them, along with the quarterback battle, obviously. Definitely. All right. Uh, well, Alabama football, I'm in. Uh, always fun to watch. But Peyton, what do you have for me now? All right. I'm going to call pivot here. I, I thought about making them an extra, uh, but I want to I want to spend some extra time on this because I think that Knowing you're an NFL guy, I think this might bring your eyeballs to them more than the other team I considered. I would like to present you something amazing, Parker. Today, I have for you the closest thing that we have seen to the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. That's right. It's Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. Caleb Williams is the star of this show. He is... I I don't have words for how good Caleb Williams is. He won the Heisman last year even after finishing the season with an injury. And I was nothing but impressed by this kid. I, I definitely had some doubts whenever he was at Oklahoma, but last season he put all those doubts in the trash can. He's the real deal. And he is currently the favorite to win the Heisman again. There's not been a back-to-back Heisman winner since Archie Griffin in the seventies. And this guy has the best chance to do it that we've seen in a long time, probably since Jameis Winston, honestly. The only thing about it is that it's going to be all on him for the most part. I will say he does have some really, really good receivers. Now, whether or not they're going to be NFL guys is yet to be seen because because it truthfully, it could just be that Caleb Williams is just slinging the ball so much that their stats go up. But he does have some capable receivers in Mario Williams and Arizona transfer Dorian Singer. And then in the game on Saturday, we saw that there's another guy that popped up and he's a five-star freshman, Zachariah branch. And he reminded everybody of the way that Reggie Bush looked like at USC and just his all over the field playmaking. And he, I believe it was, it wasn't in a kick return or a punt return, but it, whatever yeah, it was a kickoff. Yeah. Oh my God. He was amazing. Crazy athleticism, crazy speed, crazy, like stop and go ability. If not just for, Caleb Williams being able to have another Heisman caliber season. I think that the end of their schedule is going to be one of the most entertaining all year. They, their first half of the season, I'm not saying don't watch it, but like you can go without it. Their first half is cake, but down the stretch, they go at Notre Dame versus Utah at Cal. You can scratch that one off, but then versus UW Washington at Oregon and then at home against UCLA. Four of those teams are in the top 15 currently, actually top 20. But still, my point still stands that down the stretch, you're going to see some really high quality football games 
in a time where USC and Lincoln Riley are trying to make the most of this Caleb Williams window and try and make it to the playoff because right now it doesn't seem like they have the defense to carry on not only this season, but going forward to be a championship type defense. And if they don't have Caleb Williams, it doesn't look like they're going to be competing for a playoff spot anytime soon. So this is likely their best shot. There is some rumors that he might stay, but I'd find it hard pressed that he would pass up being the number one pick in the overall in the NFL draft next year. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Caleb Williams. Never heard really anything bad. I remember when he played for Oklahoma, he played against Texas, and uh, he actually ran the ball, I think, like 60 yards for a tutty. And ever since that play, I've kind of kept my eyes on him. Um, He went to USC last year, had a really good year, like you said, won the Heisman. It's hard not to hear about guys like this because I'm not just totally, you know, blind to all college football. I still keep up with sports, still like college football. I just don't have a deep dive interest into every team like a lot of college football fans have. But USC is definitely a team I'm going to keep on my radar um, strictly because of Caleb Williams. Everyone seems excited for uh, for him to be coming back this year and playing again. Uh, it'd be cool to see two Heismans back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that Peyton said, that the playoff hopes are going to be on the shoulders of Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams alone because the defense is not going to stop any high-powered offense that you're going to see that's playoff caliber. But Zachariah Branch, Mario Williams, Caleb Williams, those guys are the truth. And Zachariah Branch is going to be a name in college football for the next three years. And when he's going in the draft, he's going to be a high first-round pick. He's that good, man. Um, That kickoff return he had where he paused and basically just saw everybody where they were going and just picked his hole and just took off and just outran everybody was just crazy. I can't remember what X-Men movie it was, but you know that scene where uh, Quicksilver, I forget what movie it was, but Quicksilver, who's basically like the X-Men version of the Flash, stops the room around him, and he's just like picking stuff up, (laughs) and everything else is in slow-mo around it. That's what it looked like in real time. It was Mm -hmm. crazy. All right, getting off of uh, USC and going to another team. Billy, what do you have prepared? Yeah, so one more team I want to talk about, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We saw them week zero dismantled a Navy team that is by no means going to be, you know, a very good football team this year. Uh, But yeah, I mentioned earlier, the big storyline was seeing how Sam Hartman would operate in this offense and he worked it to a T. I mean, he did everything that Marcus Freeman probably hoped he would do. And, you know, that's why they went out there and were aggressive and got him. The wide receiver room, they're young, but they're explosive. They got some guys that can hit some home runs they returned their leading rusher from last year, Audrick Esteem, and they have a guy behind them named Jabron Payne, who's a redshirt freshman. Looked really good last year. The O-line is a typical Notre Dame O-line. Joe Alt, probably going to be a top 10 pick in the draft this upcoming year. Blake Fisher, redshirt sophomore on the other side, is no easy task either for a defense. And speaking of their defense, they got a guy, Benjamin Morrison, had six picks last year. And uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste is a transfer from uh, Ohio State who is going to be wreaking havoc off the end. Plus, they're linebackers. They brought them both back, uh, both graduate guys. So they're really experienced, know what they're doing. They're going to be playing some good football. And what interests me is Notre Dame's schedule. So we already see them, you know, take down Navy over there in Dublin. Then they have Ohio State at home, USC at home, and then they go at Clemson, and at Louisville, who's actually, you know, a decent team in the ACC. 
but I think the, I think the schedule is pretty fun for Notre Dame. Two big games at home this year, and then the big road tests at Clemson. I think they're going to be a team to watch. I think they're a team that can make some noise. Obviously, you know, it's always brought up every year once you get around to playoff time. Notre Dame, they don't really have a conference or whatever. But I mean, they play ACC, they play Pac-12, they play the Big Ten. I think I think Notre Dame's a team to watch this year, and I think that Sam Hartman is going to take them a long way. Do any of them have fake girlfriends? No. Uh reports are no as of now. Okay. All right. Um yeah, I'm in on I'm in on Notre Dame football. Uh they're always fun to watch the fighting Irish. Um they've made those, you know, that was a while ago. We're talking about the Manti Teo year, um, where they actually made it to the to the natty, but I, I've never really had any hate towards Notre Dame, so I'm I'm willing to give them a watch, especially if it's looking like it's gonna pan out to be a pretty good year for them. Yeah. And um, Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, I think, is a legit like contender for the Heisman, I think. If they can win a, a lot of those big matchups, especially because the way that the media uh, votes on the Heisman, they look at how you play in all the big games against the playoff contending teams. And if he can perform that the way that he did against Navy in those games, I think that he does a legit shot at it. Yeah, they're going to run the ball a lot too, though. So yeah, as long as he gets enough opportunities, which he should, uh, being the quarterback that he is, you know, I think he's got a shot. I wonder what his odds are. I'm not sure. Uh, but... I can. I actually have the Heisman odds up. Currently, he is 16 to 1. He's eighth highest in odds. Not a bad pick, then. No, some- not at all. He's right there with Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy at, at 16 to 1. All right. Well, enough with the Fighting Irish. Um, I'm going to move on back over to our last uh, pitch in the park tank, and I'm throwing it over to the other P on the pod. Peyton, what you got? Now – Parker, did you really think that we were going to talk about college football, a sport that you already aren't the most interested in? But I know the little bit of interest that you have is in one team in particular, and there's no way you can't say no to this one. It's the Texas Longhorns. Welcome. 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 Welcome, baby. (laughs) They are led by what I think is one of the biggest QB mysteries in the nation in Quinn Ewers because – There have been times, like last year, whenever they played Alabama, where he looked like he was, without a doubt, one of the best college quarterbacks in the country. But then there were other times throughout the year where you might think he might lose the job to Arch Manning or even even the other backup, Murphy. So it's really hard for us to figure out what Quinn Ewers is. I mean, right now, he's the third highest in odds to win the Heisman. So a lot of people think he's going to make the jump to be in the elite tier. But we don't know. And that's almost that alone is one of the most interesting storylines going into this year. Because if Texas is going to be a formidable playoff contender or even flirt with it, like a lot of people think that they're going to, Quinn Ewers has to be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Other than Quinn Ewers, they have Xavier Worthy still, who I'm sure you probably are familiar with. Fun wide receiver to watch. But they also, just so they don't fully rely on him in the pass catching game, they brought in A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, who really athletic receiver and just it just seemed like he fell out of favor with the Georgia staff and everything so he's coming over to Texas and those two are going to be a really formidable wide receiver duo and they have speaking of Georgia what I would say is probably the second best tight end behind Brock Bowers because Brock Bowers there's nobody else is even contending for the best tight end in the country except for him but being the second tight end in the country behind him is like being the best tight end in the country in any other year that Brock Bowers isn't in college football and that's Jatavion Sanders. So you have three, what I would consider plus, if not flirting with 
you know, top 10-ish pass catchers in college football, and you have a quarterback who people think is going to make that elite jump, I think that this offense can take a massive leap if Quinn Ewers can really be the quarterback that everybody thinks he's going to be. Now, I will say, as we all know, B. John Robinson is in the NFL now, so I think they're going to miss him tremendously. But I think that they're going to rely a lot on the passing offense as opposed to being so run-heavy last year like they were and utilizing Bijan all over the field and Roshan, I should mention, him too. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this offense operates. And looking at the schedule, uh, they have some really tricky spots. I mean, they go to Bama early. That's another one of those early games that you have to watch. I mean, everybody in the nation is going to be watching that game because that's going to determine – just like FSU, LSU, it's going to set the tone for whatever team wins that game, it feels like. On top of Alabama, they obviously are going to play OU in the Red River. So they're going to play K-State. They're going to go to TCU, and then they're going to close the year hosting a sneaky Texas Tech. The, the thing that I, I want to drive home about the intrigue behind Texas this year is that they're leaving for the SEC next year. So all of these teams, TCU, K-State, Texas Tech, even some other ones that are on their schedule. But those three in particular, these other teams in the Big 12 are trying to beat them up and make them walk out to the SEC with their tail between their legs. So that alone is going to be such an interesting storyline for not only Texas, but Oklahoma too. But Texas is the team that they're, they're at even odds to win the Big 12. So they're by far the favorite to win this conference. And so everybody is going to come for blood when they play against Texas this year in the Big 12. I'm in on Texas football. That was a given before you started your pitch. They're exciting, man. We got we got young Manning riding the bench. We are going into the SEC. I can't be more pumped about Texas football. I'm going to get a little bit of a change. We're going to get to play the Alabamas, the Floridas, the Auburns, the Georgias. We're we're going to get to play all all those teams that are that are big and always on TV. So I'm I'm pumped for Texas football. Absolutely. Hey, I've got I've got two questions for you. Sure. One. How long of a leash does Quinn Ewers have? And two, who's first off the bench? I think that if Texas starts four and two, I think there's a possibility that we see a different quarterback come in. And I don't think it's Arch Manning. I think it's Malik Murphy. I, I agree with that. Malik Murphy over Arch Manning to start. Because Malik Murphy obviously has to know something as well. Because if he was there and Arch comes in, instantly jumps in, Malik Murphy would not still be at Texas. Oh, no. He would have absolutely transferred this offseason. 100%. Because he could have gotten a starting job elsewhere. We all know that, I think. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a good quarterback. He is a yeah. very good quarterback. Definitely. All right. Well, I think that um, concludes our Park Tank segment. I know it was a little lengthy. But uh, before we get out of here, I do want to look over not every game, in week one, but I do want to look over maybe a couple of your guys' favorite matchups going into week one of um, college football. What do you guys got? What are, what are you guys looking forward to watching? Well, in week one, we, we kind of hinted at a couple of these, but first on Thursday, we got UF at Utah and that's in prime time on ESPN. Everybody in the country, unless you're a Nebraska or a Minnesota fan, I would guess you're going to be watching that game. This game, I don't know if you watched this game last year, Parker, but it was one of the better early season games. It came down to the wire where Utah was on the goal line. It looked like they were definitely going to win the game, and then Cam Rising throws a pick to lose the game. Uh, I so, was I was living with Donovan McCabe at the time, so yes, I <laughs> I yeah. I saw some Florida football. Yeah, you were you were in Gator territory. I, I was so, deep into Gator territory. I we, mean, we were, so, 
we were winning the national championship after that game. Anthony Richardson <laughs> was winning the Heisman. Yeah, it was all time, all time rage fest for Gator Nation after that game. So but, Utah's back for blood is what you're saying. Yes, and it's at Utah. It's at now, Utah. like we said, we don't know the starting quarterback yet for Utah, so it, it's going to be tricky for them to be able to really have a, a good spot to win this game if both their starter and their backup are hurt, like it seems like they are. But it's more so the storyline of how last year's game went and that it's going to be in Utah this year and Utah is looking for revenge that I think that's going to be one of the more intriguing watches in week one. Other than that, I mean... We have a team that we may have excluded, but I think it's going to be interesting this first week. Uh, and Billy, I want you to talk maybe a little bit about this. We have Colorado going to TCU. Yes, yeah, so that was actually the game I was looking at right now that I was going to bring up after uh, the Florida-Utah game. TCU obviously coming off the national championship appearance. That's about all I'll say on that. Uh, replacing their quarterback from last year. Colorado, 70 guys transferring out. 50-some guys coming in along with their signing class. Um, so Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, Cormani McClain, one of the top-rated recruits in the country this past year, um, and Coach Prime, man. They got a good receiving core. They got a, a deep receiving core. So we're going to see what they can do against, you know, a pretty stout TCU team, ranked 17th in the country at TCU. I don't think it's going to be a very promising season for uh, the Buffs out there. <laughs> it's going to be a no. tough one. Uh, they went 1-11 last year for anybody that was keeping track of it. Obviously, you know, complete overhaul. But it's going to see. It's gonna be interesting to see what Coach Prime can do on the big stage. You know, obviously leaving Jackson State and uh, bringing his son over there to play quarterback. So we're going to see how they can perform on the big stage. I like TCU. That's about all I'll say. Yeah, in I'm, that game for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at my ESPN app, and I see TCU is minus 20 and a half. So I, I feel like I feel like you're spot on. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think there's a reason they're favored yeah. three touchdowns. Yeah, it just an extra note because Colorado and Dion has been a huge story over the offseason. And Billy mentioned how big of an overhaul it is. But Parker, just to give you how a perspective on how big of an overhaul it is, 18 of their 22 starters among both sides of the ball are transfers. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. I, I've seen all the hype on social media behind uh, players wanting to follow and go play for Dion Sanders. So, I, I know all the all the hype behind it, and then I know everyone talking about them being one and eleven last year. I don't know. We'll see. Outside of that, we have some other matchups too. Um, this is going to be for the late night folks, and at, you know, I'm sure that if you're working late on Saturday night, Parker, if you turn on the TV, this is probably going to be on. Uh, it's a little bit of a sneaky matchup. I mean, I think Washington's going to win, but it's Boise at Washington. Boise's supposed to be better than they have been over the last couple of years. So, kind of getting back to that competitive Boise that we've known them to be uh, in the last decade or so. So that, that has some of my intrigue uh, watching Michael Penix and those two wide receivers opening the season, I think will be fun. Uh, Billy, do you have one that you'd like to note? I would shout out Taylor green, the Boise state quarterback. I think he's pretty legit. All right. Another game I wanted to bring up West Virginia at Penn state. Uh, I think it's going to be a big early test uh, for Penn state. I don't think West Virginia is super talented, but, you know, it's it's a rival game. It's a rivalry. So the juices will be flowing, you know, and they're going to be they're going to be out there hitting each other. So I think that's a game to keep an eye on. I do think Penn State ends up pulling away with that one, but I think it'll be fun early. Yeah, uh, I another game I'm really interested in. This is in a weird way. We don't see these two teams match up very often, it seems like. But uh, we got UNC at South Carolina. That's going to be the primetime game that's likely on most TVs on Saturday night. 
it, South Carolina, it, Billy, I know that you like them a decent amount just because there's two players in particular that everybody in the nation finds super interesting. You want to talk about that just a moment? Yeah, I, I don't – I'm not super high on South Carolina, but I think they have some some talented players. I'm not sure if they'll put it all together. Spencer Rattler, obviously, entering his fifth year now, second or third year at South Carolina. So under Beamer Ball, man, we'll see how he can put it together. But he he had a he had a good year last year. Antoine Wells, uh, their leading receiver is back, and then Nick Harbor, the super talented freshman five star who's six six two thirty and runs a ten two two hundred meter dash. Yeah, which would have put him in the top twenty at the twenty twenty two NCAA championship for the hundred meter dash. Parker, did you hear the size at that? Yes. Six, <laughs> and how six, fast he was running. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's nuts. So he he's a guy you're going to hear about, I think, in a couple of years. Uh, but in that same game, UNC has what a lot of people are pegging as the likely number two pick in Drake May, who had a really solid showing last season. And it's going to be tough for him. They're, they're ranked right now at 21st in the country, but – they seem like a team that's likely going to be losing more games than everybody expects them to, at least Vegas does, solely because their defense is garbage. And Drake May is going to have to do everything because he they had Josh Downs leave, who was heavily relied upon in the past game, who went to the NFL. And there's really nobody that came in to replace him. It's going to be all on Drake May this year. And if there is a game that we're going to see what UNC is made of, I think it's going to be this game. Well, the the one that I'm looking at that everyone's obviously excited for, it's the matchup of the week. Um, it's not your traditional Sunday night football, but damn it, I'm ready for some Sunday night football. So I will be sitting down watching uh, LSU and Florida State play. Um, that, that should be a really exciting game. I, it says LSU is minus two and a half. That is probably the closest spread I see all of every game that's on this week. So I'm definitely going to be sitting down watching that one. I see we got Clemson and Duke on Monday night. I might sit down and watch some Clemson football. But Duke, Duke's sneaky now. Duke, yeah, they yeah. got a quarterback. Yeah, their quarterback is probably going to be an NFL guy, first or second round pick. If you're going to watch that game on Monday night, keep an eye out for Riley Leonard Parker. Yeah, well, definitely will do. Yeah. Outside of that, the only other matchups that I had to note, I mean, Funny enough, the two Miami schools, Miami of Ohio and Miami of Florida, are playing each other on Friday. It's kind of a meme game, you know. I saw what Gabbert said. Gabbert said, we're the real Miami. I saw that post on Instagram. He said, yeah. we're the real Miami. Yeah. Yeah. He He's, you know, fired up. And he might – I heard somebody pose this, and I really – I how do you feel about uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Billy? Because that quarterback, mm -hmm. supposedly some people think that he might be the best quarterback in that game. Wait, Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback. Miami. Yeah, yes, my sorry. Miami of Ohio's quarterback is the one that Parker's talking about, how they're okay, the real yeah. Miami. Some people think that he might be the better of the two quarterbacks in that game. <laughs> yes, I, I think Tyler Van Dyke, I think he's a good quarterback. But it's just the offense that Mario Cristobal runs, it's it's kind of restricting on him. Plus, you know, Miami just hasn't been that good over the years as far as, you know, recruiting and holding on to the talent that they recruit. So, I mean, we'll see what he's got. He's, I'm sure they're going to air it out against Miami. And, uh, you know, I think the hurricanes, <laughs> I think the hurricanes could be on upset watch, man. I mean, I what is the Parker, what's the spread in that game? I actually don't know it off the top of my head. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty wide. I would, 
Okay. Um, I, I don't out. actually think that the hurricanes. It's it's it's, so. okay, hurricanes, it's, a, it's the hurricanes minus seventeen. Okay. Yeah. It's more so just a meme game more than anything else. Um, well, it says Miami minus seventeen. I'm assuming that's the Hurricanes. <laughs> <laughs> it just says Miami minus seventeen. That could be really misleading. Somebody's Anyways. gonna screw up betting on that game. Yeah. <laughs> Miami is going to win. We'll leave yeah. it at that. Uh, the only other game I had to highlight, and this might interest you, Billy, considering you're a Sun Belt guy. It, it's not your favorite <laughs> team; it's your rival team. But your mm-hmm. rival, uh, South Alabama, is going to number twenty four ranked Tulane. Yeah, so South Alabama's getting a lot of hype this year, huh? You're like, I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> or you I, just don't want to see it. Yeah, I don't want to see it. I think they're I think they've really turned a corner kind of in their program, honestly. They've they've made some strides. I think Tulane is a, a pretty solid team. Obviously beat USC last year in the Cotton Bowl. But yeah, that 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 will be a fun game too. I, I kind of skimmed over that one. I think South Alabama has a has a shot. I think, you know. Yeah. They they got some receivers I know I don't know them by name I know their receiving core is pretty pretty stout yeah and uh, Tulane returns Michael Pratt from last yeah. year they did lose Tajay Spears but their quarterback was probably the best group of five quarterback we saw last year and he's he's back so their their offense is going to be pretty similar to how it was last year being one of the better uh, group of five offenses if not just one of the better offenses in the country so. One of the quarterbacks everybody was waiting on to transfer and just yeah. never did. <laughs> yeah, he just stayed, and everybody yeah. probably was upset because <laughs> he was a good quarterback. I know I was. <laughs> One thing I'm looking at about that game, I see Tulane, you know, ranked number 24. They got South Alabama. Like, Tulane's only favored – they're favored by less than a touchdown. So, I mean, I guess that means South yeah. Alabama has to be making a little bit of noise. Yeah, it might back. not have a ton of, like, hype behind the game, but I think it might be one of the better actual football games that we see all weekend. I think that concludes our college football preview going into the college football season. And that concludes our preview going into week one of college football. People are going to be so mad that we didn't talk about Georgia or Tennessee. And wham, 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 <laughs> Yeah, wham. I know they can cry, whatever. They aren't, in, they just aren't that interesting. Whatever. Georgia plays a bunch of high schools. Yeah. And Tennessee has uncle Rico playing quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's about it. <laughs> Parker, he's, right. he's, he's a six-year senior, and he basically just has a cannon that he doesn't know where to aim it. So he's like <laughs> literally Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. So. That's awesome. I might want to tune over that. Yeah. Oh, Rocky Top. Um, all right, boys. Well, Billy, uh, you are welcome anytime. It has been a pleasure. We appreciate your help. We appreciate your takes. And I appreciate you uh, being brave enough to enter the park tank. Hey, guys, I appreciate it. So uh, I know you guys have been on Tricky Takes before, so hope to have you guys on again at some point. Yeah, guys, one more time. If y'all want to go look up uh, Tricky Takes Podcast, you can find it on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Is there any other platforms you can find your podcast on, Billy? Uh, those are the main two. Then we're also on Twitter also. Okay. okay. Yeah. Go, go Give out, go give out the user and give Sorry. out the spelling to be Sorry, it is, it is X, no longer Twitter. Oh, my God. I refuse. <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's tricky takes T R I I C K Y yes. takes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and X slash Twitter. <laughs> All right, That's well, uh, it's been nothing but a pleasure. Next week, um, Peyton, what do we have coming next week? We have more NFL football coming back. We're shifting into our regular season mode, so we are going to be doing game previews mostly. We'll probably re- I might recap some of the college football games. Maybe if you watch some, maybe we convinced you enough to watch some. This <laughs> who knows? So maybe we'll go over a little bit of Week One college football, but we're mainly going to do our Week One NFL preview. That's like the big item that's on the slate. 
Okay. All right. You guys heard it here first next week, week one NFL preview, maybe a little college recap from this past week. Um, I hope everyone has a good week. Billy, thanks for coming out. Peyton, it's always a pleasure. Of course. And and y'all take it easy. I'm out of here.